It's Animal Calls! Does your dog seem like he's on doggy downers? Does your cat act less than catty? Does your horse keep saying, of course, just to agree with you instead of saying what he really wants? If so, you've come to the right place. Animal Calls takes your calls, helps you understand your pets, and helps them thrive. And now, here's our ringmaster of the animal crackers world, UW-certified animal behaviorist, Carpathia Kingsley. Welcome to Animal Calls. I'm your host, Carpathia Kingsley, taking a break from my own personal zoo in the glorious Pacific Northwest to answer your pet livestock and wildlife-related behavior questions. I am a certified behaviorist out of the Grand University of Washington, so don't be afraid to call. Unlike some of your naughty animals, I don't bite. So here we are today on another edition of Animal Calls and hoping we that we remind get people. Yeah. That... Oh yeah. 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 How to tell us Anthony, bring it in. How do we let's, how do we call? Let's remind people. <laughs> hey, you know, you can call in with a question. Is your dog doing weird things? Is your cat acting nutty? Whatever. And you've wondered? Call in. Ask us a question. The call in line number in Washington State, 425-373-5527 or toll free 888 888- 298-5569. Again, 888-298-5569. And if you are interested in the website, our animalcallsradio.com website is active and live, and you can listen live every Friday there as well. So take it away, Kay. Well, just trying to get a quick update on what's going on your end of the world over there with the Dixie Fire. Do you have any updates on the Dixie fire for us? Well, I can tell you no one is whistling Dixie in California right now. It's just a mess. But the mess is getting under control very slowly. Every day there's some progress. The Dixie fire is reminiscent of the campfire, of course, which you fled from uh, with your whole menagerie of animals. And, um, you know, fortunately, this one has not had loss of life. There's been some structures lost. It's mostly been in wilderness areas. But it has been a real trial and tribulation for a lot of people, including myself. I had to evacuate my home in Lake Almanor. So, um, you know, it just... Another day in the life of California, it seems, when California seems to be on fire a lot. And the the greatest thing that came out of this is is a little piece of satire, courtesy of Pacific Gas and Electric, that wonderful company that is known to have uh, power lines running through the wilderness areas that they don't maintain. Uh, And there's these they have these webcams they put up all over the forest so you could spot fires. And, of course, in the last week, you see these raging infernos and these webcams, and it says up in the upper right, the image, courtesy PG&E. Anyway, enough about that. In more ways than one. I think I had made that comment on your Facebook. You know, yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, courtesy of PG&E, absolutely. Isn't that the truth? All right. Anyway, once again, if you're just joining us, the show is Animal Calls and the the call-in number, 425-373-5527 or toll-free, 888-298-KKNW or that's 888-298-5569. We'd love to hear from you if you've got some weird animal behavior (laughs) questions that you have uh, or you just have a question about how to do something simple like give your dog a pill or make your cat you know, stop peeing in the same place all the time or something like that. 
Well, I think we we had discussed the pill thing in the past of how to trick animals into doing things. And again, with cats, I know a quick, simple way of manipulating the back of the jaw and being able to shove a pill down the side of their throat. With dogs, things should be much easier than that. Generally, dogs can be easier in a lot of things than cats can be a little bit more challenging. And I can go into great detail as to why that is. Dogs are certainly more domesticated than cats are. Cats are more of an ancient creature. So you kind of dial it back of having a, a more simplistic, I'm going to say, way of thinking and processing in the way that they they behave. Um, again, they're, they're more of an ancient creature. They really didn't take to domestication the way that the canine family did, uh, being that the canine family evolved to a position of genes mutating and changing and that's what you want to see when you're domesticating an animal that there's actually some kind of a change in the animal's genes uh, we we saw this in russian studies that they did with fox after several generations of domesticating fox where they were being artificially selected for friendliness which was the only thing that they were really looking for was friendliness in Fox. After a certain amount of generations passed, we started seeing their colors, their coats changing. They would develop spots. You could have a white Fox with black spots on it. And they started looking more like a dog and behaving more like a dog. So when you see that kind of change happening where the, the genes are actually affecting a change, that's kind of what we would consider a success in domestication. So in my opinion, um, as a scientist, I would say that fox were a far better candidate for domestication, obviously, than than cats. I mean, we, we've been trying to domesticate cats and keeping them as pets now for well over 5,000 years. I know that they were a beloved animal kept in Egypt among the Egyptians. And even so, they still are just kitty cats, aren't they? They There's relatively no genetic difference between your house cat and a wild forest cat. Uh, whereas dogs are just all over the spectrum and truly have evolved into being this, this pet. Not that cats aren't a good pet, because I will say that if you don't spend a lot of time at home, if you still want to have a companion animal and you want to have a wonderful pet, but you are gone for long periods of time during the day, a cat would probably be a better choice for you than a than a dog would being that dogs can be much more high maintenance in in a lot of respects that they like to be with you bond with you they're a pack animal so they really depend on having that time that quality time together with you you are part of their pack you are a family whereas a cat you know they can take you and leave you they can love you and and then go do their own thing and they're plenty plenty happy with that and i can give advice on any number of things of how to make a cat happier in your home as well ah and so it looks like we have a caller um who has a kitty who keeps disappearing we'll bring it on let's talk to sharon all right hey, sharon from whittier you're on the air thank you hey yeah i i'm i live in whittier and i have these three cats um One's a big gray cat, and then I have a small kind of a oh, tortoise shell cat. And then somehow I seemed to get this nice, beautiful black cat that we call Jezebel. 
Well, my big gray cat has decided that he doesn't like, apparently like the black cat, and he keeps disappearing. He keeps, he'll be gone for like two or three days at a time. And then I will find him down the street, and I'll go, and I will bring him home, and I will keep them in the house for a few days. Normally, I keep them outside when I go to work, but I would I would keep them in the house for a few days. And then he decided he was going to trash the room that I was keeping him in. So then I had to let him back outside. And I'm, I'm just trying to determine how can I... I like the cat. I want the cat. But how... Is there any way or anything I can do to keep this cat at home? So your intention is... <laughs> Your intention is to keep them all as indoor cats? Is that what I'm hearing? When I'm home, they're indoor cats. When I go to work, they're outdoor cats. So they always have yeah. that option then of, of coming and going? And you is your goal to keep them all as indoor cats? Not necessarily. I like them outside, really. But when I'm home, they like the, the, the two, the, the little kind of, colored one likes to come in and out and so does the gray one the black one i've been keeping in because he's new but he's kind of a wild cat <laughs> no, well they can he's, be he's, he's just a beautiful cat and i like it so the the issue the... go on oh i'm just trying to find, figure out is it worth keep going to keep going and bringing my gray cat back home these it's crazy because these people that whose house that he keeps going to tells me he shows up on their porch all the time. And I asked them, I said, are you feeding him? And they go, yeah. And I go, well, oh. <laughs> if you feed him, I can't keep him home. And, and so, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of in a dilemma. <laughs> well, okay. So you've got the issue of he's, wanting to stray off to better pastures where he's being rewarded for doing that with food. Okay. So, but is there anything I can do to make him stay home other than locking him in a room that, that you could think of? Yes. Of course, the, the, of course, this cat's going to want to probably go eat food at the neighbor's house, especially if the neighbor has, you know, tuna fish or something. But am I hearing that the issue that you're having is trying to keep them happy when they're contained together? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. How much space do these cats have when they're contained in the same place indoors together? They have about a 12 by 12 bedroom. That's a pretty small area to keep cats together in where you have, uh, you know, one that's being new, that's being introduced and not getting along. So then my next question is going to be, is there areas where they can get away from each other or, um, you know, like some of the best things that you can do is, is building things where they can go up some kind of a bookcase that has scratching post material in it and bedding where they can perch themselves up and above the other cats and hiding spaces are very important. Um, a large litter box, uh, make sure that it's uncovered. Cats do tend to prefer the uncovered litter boxes and with larger space and definitely spaces for them to get away from one another and be able to have um, separation where they can climb up on something, hide underneath something and not be forced to have to interact if they're not up for interacting. 
Another thing you might want to try in your absence to keep them occupied would be they have these little food game toys, things that have food inside of them that they have to go hunt down and find and look for it. And it, it gives them that opportunity to be hunting for things and hunting for food and looking for the little, I want to call it a food bait thing, but I don't know if bait is the right word. There, There is a word for these little food game toys that you can get for them and put that in different spaces, like up at the top of that bookcase that maybe you could create for them. Um, you know, or even those great big cat perches that have the carpet all over them that has like a big square at the top of it that they can go into and hide from the other cats. Oh, that's an idea. I hadn't thought of that. I didn't know they had things like that for cats, though, that with food inside of them. I know they I know they do for dogs, but they have those for cats, too. Right. Yeah. Well, any anything like that. And cats really like that. You know, they started seeing stuff like that in, in zoos, even with the the wild cats and, and whatnot that they keep in zoos, that it, it keeps them occupied if they have to kind of hunt. You know, it gives them the ability to spend their time searching for food and hunting things down. And um, that can be really fun for a cat. It occupies them. It's uh, again, I've always said with cats, to make them really happy, you're wanting to recreate a wild situation. And I think that's the difference really between cats and dogs as pets. A dog will adapt to you, your world, your life, because it's a pack animal and they want to be part of your family and they're very adapting. Whereas a cat, if you really want to make them happy, you want to try to recreate an environment that makes them happy, much like you would create uh, an environment for a wild animal. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds like the only problem, you know, that, that sounds like a great idea. I'm trying not to turn my little apartment into, it's a two-bedroom apartment, and I'm trying not to turn the whole house into a cat house. Oh, I wouldn't call it that. I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> not, not a cat house. Not a cat house. No. How about like a kitty city? A kitty, kitty condo, a two-bedroom. It could be a kitty kitty condo. And you know what? It could be fun to do that. Have you ever seen people's homes where you've gone into them and they have these rails going around up above towards the ceiling where the cats can walk around, kind of like how some people would do that and have a train on it? I've seen things like that where people had things where the cats could be walking all on the wall. And you know what? It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to watch that. Another really neat thing that there, that's out there that I've seen people build is a bed frame that has tunnels going through it, underneath it. So the cat can run underneath the bed and it's it's almost like when you see like a mouse going through a maze to get out the other side to find the cheese that they can the cat can just like go through these tunnels that have been made under a bed so it's a really creative Ooh. use of space yeah it's really fun yeah, that, that might be an idea because this this extra bedroom I have there's just nothing in it right now anyway except the cat so that might be a cool thing to do Ooh, that would try something like that that would be super fun. So yeah, between yeah. between that and the hiding spaces and making sure that the litter box is cleaned. Um, but when you clean the litter box, don't use things like bleach and things that have heavy smells because, um, you know, cats are really put off by that. You want to make sure you clean it out daily, but not necessarily, um, you know, scrubbing and bleaching and, and doing things like that. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, that's oh, another good one for cats. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to try something like that and see if that will help. 
maybe the cats will get along better and my big gray cat will stay home. It'd be fun to know. But then again, that tuna fish down the street sounds probably very appealing if you're a cat. You know, <laughs> if, it's tu- if it's tuna, I, tuna I, fish. And I don't feed them tuna fish. We'll see. You so, might want to put that into a, a, a toy yeah. or something. <laughs> oh, Maybe try tuna yeah. fish. You got to, if you're competing with the people down the street, you better, you might have to step up your game. <laughs> you're probably right. Well, I'm going to try that. Thank you very much. You are very, very welcome. And give us a call back and let us know how that goes. I will do that. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. If you're watching this, you can see the call number that is on the screen. If you are not and you are listening to this, you can give us a call at 425-373-5527 and talk to us right now. There's also an 888 number. If Anthony's around, maybe he can chime in with the information on that. And we can't. There unmute. we go. Yeah. <laughs> can't hear you. I'm sorry. I'm a mutant. I forgot to put, <laughs> unmute Aren't myself. Aren't we all? Um, so once again, it is 888-298-5569. 888-298-5569 or 425-373-5527. We would love to have you call in here on Animal Calls and ask us a question about your dog, cat, parrot, hamster, goat, horse, whatever, that they're doing something that puzzles you or doing something that irritates you or just not doing anything at all. Let us know. We'll help you. We certainly will. And I really welcome any kind of strange animal calls too, you know, exotics and and whatnot. Um, Wildlife is something that is an issue down there. Like I've said before with the fires, Uh, Anthony, you mentioned that people really haven't been threatened all people are being threatened by a fire you're always threatened by a fire but uh no one there's been no loss of life but think of the what are we up to today 220 something thousand acres that have burned 240,000 now oh oh my almost goodness almost a quarter million wow almost when, a quarter million when you put and it that way Lots of people that live um, in Plumas County and Butte County have had to relocate not only themselves and their animals. And, of course, that's very stressful on all fronts. And um, you went through that yourself. What do you do to keep your animals calm in a situation where you have to vacate, uh, evacuate like that very quickly? How did did you manage that? (laughs) Yeah, I was in the newspaper for that one. Um, That it's so it's it's a difficult thing. I mean, it, what what have you got? Where are you going? Um, I think where you're going is is going to be a, a wild card kind of an answer for that as well. Some people are able to go someplace that the animal was familiar with. I I think in your case, your dog is familiar with your office down there in Chico. Am I correct? Okay, he so that indeed. he is indeed yes. So that wouldn't be as as stressful as some people my situations might be of having to go into an area that's unfamiliar familiar um if you're if you're having to run and go to a friend's house and now your animals are having to integrate with somebody else's animals or they're just in a totally different new environment i would say something super important would be to bring things that smell like home um and that's something that you might be thinking about doing anyway grabbing some blankets blankets off your bed things that are not washed 
things that still still smell like the house so that there's some sense of familiarity but it is so difficult you know not not knowing where you're going what your situation is going to be in my case i had to go to an evacuation center because i had a ton of livestock and at that point they were separating things like dogs and cats into one facility and livestock to another, which was a fairgrounds. And in my case, that was the Gridley fairgrounds down in Gridley, which um, was surprising to me that we had to go so far. But when you start understanding what's going on around you, it makes sense then that you have to be much further away than you you thought you would. So I would I would say this, having been right in the middle of the thick of that. And I stayed on site with my animals. I kept my, my dogs and my birds with me in, um, in an RV that I was in. And the, the rest of my animals were being contained on the fairgrounds in um, enclosures. My horse being in, in one where the horses were being kept. And then the, uh, the rest of my animals, my chickens, my geese, my goat and all that were being kept in the uh, livestock barn area inside the, uh, in the fairgrounds area. And one thing that I will point out, I, I was lucky enough to, to stay on site and even be in the middle of a triage situation, watching animals being brought in that were burned, um, watching animals being medicated, IV'd, wrapped up, treated for, for wounds from you know, I mean, you, you got animals that are running through fences. You've got animals that are getting injured from the evacuation and and actually burned. There were some sheep and some goats that came in that had pretty severe burns. Um, directly across from me, there were some sheep. There was a, a sheep that had two two lambs that were nursing. One's legs had been burned so bad that they wrapped the legs up and the little baby couldn't stand up. Now, in the animal world with animals such as dogs and cats, you can lay down and nurse on your mother. If you're livestock, you need to stand to be able to nurse on your mother. So this little lamb having its legs wrapped up and being frail was not able to stand up and nurse on its mother. Fortunately, uh, this was happening right across from me and my goat was in milk. So I'm keeping her in milk and I kept her in milk throughout the entire evacuation and I was drinking raw goat milk throughout the entire evacuation. I was milking my goat out and offering that to the lamb that was right across from us where they were able to go to the store and get an empty you know, baby bottle and cut the, the tip off more so that the baby could nurse from it. And after about two days of that, we got her back up standing and she was back and up and able to nurse off of her mom. So that was really fortunate to to have that. But, you know, one thing I, I would say when I was at the evacuation center and people, please be mindful of this. The animals are very stressed out. And when you're at an evacuation center, you're not asking for vaccination records. You are not requiring anything like that because this is an emergency situation. So, the possibility of disease being spread throughout a situation like that is great. <clears throat> so we do all that we can to try to mitigate that. And at the same time, you had a lot of people that were coming in who had been evacuated that didn't have animals, but the fairground building was being set up as a Red Cross center with cots and, and whatnot for people 
to come in. And what we were seeing were people who felt that because they were under a tremendous amount of stress, that it was okay for them to walk around and try to deal with their stress by petting all of these animals. And I may have mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again because there's fires still raging and there's animals probably still being evacuated. Please don't think that it's okay to walk around from animal to animal to animal, petting them in a situation like this because it makes you feel better. Um, what you're really doing is causing more stress for these animals and possibly spreading disease from one to the next to the next. There's a lot of things that can be spread in that manner. And in a situation like that, you're, you're really contributing to that. And it was difficult to find enough people because everyone's a volunteer to stop people from doing that. And we actually had people that were getting angry and upset people who are drinking, getting drunk and whatnot. I mean, you know, if you're there, you're in it, you're in it, you see this, you see how people are managing their stress and the ways that they manage their stress. And and I even saw this sometimes being drugs and alcohol on the fairgrounds and then getting mouthy and saying, you know, this is calming me down to go around and pet these animals. Well, please don't do that. And if you see someone doing that, Please try to nicely discourage them from doing that based on how dangerous this can be spreading disease amongst these animals. Did you want to give us a, a, a call out with the numbers again? Sure thing. 425-373-5527. 425-373-5527. Or if you can't remember numbers easily, <laughs> go to our website at animalcallsradio.com. And all of the call-in numbers are there. We also have a toll-free number for those of you that prefer that. It is 888-298-5569. 888-298-5569. And we'd be happy to take your calls about questions related to animal behavior, whether it's your pets, your livestock, wildlife in your area, um, or whatever. If they're doing something strange that you don't understand or you're trying to stop them from doing something like peeing on the carpet or whatever, Carpathia is the person to talk to. She has the answers. Or even if you just want to ask any kind of basic animal type questions. Um, speaking about domestication and and the like, there's a story that I, I like to tell, a thing that I like to explain to people. Often I get people who say things like, people are like sheep and how stupid sheep are. And how sheep will all line up together and jump off of a cliff and whatever, which, you know, again, I think that that's lemmings. And I might have mentioned this before, that we cultivated sheep to be that way. So shame on us, not on sheep. Sheep in the wild who have the choice to mate and choose their, their partners are looking for the ones that are strong, smart, capable, and of course, all of these things to them are a survival strategy that, that works. You don't see sheep lying at the bottom of cliffs. They're very good with their judgment and making it from one place to another and are not stupid animals. But because we've bred them to eat, we, we aren't looking for sheep to be smart. So the reason that sheep are not necessarily intelligent and don't seem to make a lot of their own decisions is because of people. So I think it's kind of funny when people say that people who don't think and make their own decisions are acting like sheep when in fact sheep are acting the way that they do because of people so hey something to think about right anthony 
Do we lose Anthony? Are you there? I'll, I'll just go on then. I think we've lost Anthony. So uh, again, you know, if you want to call in and ask questions, that would be fantastic. Something that I think in this time is a good thing to, to discuss with everything that's going on in the world that I've had a lot of people talk to me about is depression with everything that's going on in the lockdowns and whatnot. And maybe discussing how animals really help us with things like that, sometimes in ways that people can't. We really reach to our animals and, and look to them for comfort, kind of like we do in evacuation situations of going around wanting to pet other people's pets. But outside of you know that being a no-no, a big yes is turning to your own animals for love in times of um, isolation, depression, and all this that's going on in the world right now. Um, a lot of people, there's been a huge influx in adopting animals. Um, people who don't really want to make that decision right now, or you're really thinking about that, that's another great thing you can call in and ask about. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's go over your lifestyle and um, kind of come to a decision of what would be a good pet for you. Maybe what breed of dog would be suited for you best, or, or whether it be a cat or birds or something along those lines, how you live your life and what could be a good pet. And I, I also would like to let people know that a lot of animal shelters are looking for foster homes. And that's something that anybody really can do. If you have the means to take care of an animal and the desire to do so, you can be a foster parent to animals at the animal shelter. And if you click with that animal, you are certainly welcome in most cases to apply for adoption and to keep the animal and to adopt that animal. So I think people really should take advantage of that. You don't have to go to the animal shelter with the idea of I'm going to get something and I'm going to bring it home or I really want this and I'm going to just take that leap and do that. If you're kind of on the fence about doing something like that because you think that you might end up being stuck with an animal that doesn't really click with you, consider fostering. Consider going in and, and, and applying to be a foster parent and you can then take in that animal and if things um, are working out, again, you can apply to adopt the animal and if things are not, then they're more than happy to uh, take the animal back and find another foster home or home for it. And it looks like we have another call. Um, Cheryl from Paradise with a Sheltie who's noise sensitive. Cheryl, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, thank, thank you. I know I've called in a couple of times before, but I have. I wanted to let you know that I have discovered something really interesting about my Sheltie Maddie. If I turn <laughs> off all the noises on my cell phone, her barking has tremendously and when she is barking at something outside and when I call her over and make her sit and pet her it's like working wonders oh wonderful our, yes our biggest setback now is now she's not now she's what that cut out I didn't hear now she's something Did, like, did, like we're having an issue with the phone connection uh, to Cheryl. Cheryl, uh, if you're still there, just go ahead and 
pop back on in anytime. Oh, did we lose Cheryl? It's still connected, but uh, you know how cell phones are sometimes. <laughs> so, well, yeah, even I lost a connection here, and I'm on right. a computer. <laughs> yeah, it looks like she's been lost to the ether. Oh well. Well, I, I remember she had the the Sheltie, and I have a Sheltie as well, so I understand Shelties being barky, barky, barky. I, I get a lot of people asking me questions about barking, herding dogs, and I, I find that so fun. Um, <laughs> you know, herding dogs bark. It's, it's yeah. the nature of the beast. It's what they do. They're very communicative. Um, they're amongst the what we consider the most intelligent of the breeds is the herding breeds. And that could be because they have had to um, two users are in the stream with audio only. OK, who has audio only? Don't, don't worry about that. Keep going with your thought. OK, not <laughs> worried me. about I turned that. Off my camera. <laughs> OK, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Still getting used to the setup. I, I did want to say something, though, and that is uh, Cheryl's question about the Sheltie barking at the cell phone noises. Yes. And of course, I'm not a certified animal behaviorist like you, but it <laughs> seems to me that the dog might be barking at noises that the dog hears these noises, but has no idea what's generating them. I mean, everybody's got cell phones, but dogs don't understand cell phones. Cats don't either, but the cats don't care. Uh, but the dogs do because they're trying to warn you of things. That's part of their, their makeup. So I mean, it just seems to me that it's just a phantom noise they can't reconcile, and so they have to bark at the cell phone. Does that make yeah, sense? Absolutely. I mean, what what is the difference to a dog between your cell phone dinging or a car alarm or a fire alarm going off in your house? All these things are are in the same spectrum to a dog, and it, they're warning you. There's a noise, and they've also um, become conditioned to to understand a lot of things that are warning sounds come with that kind of a of a noise, like your fire alarm going off, the doorbell ringing. All of this is is essentially the same to a dog. Now, I mean, some dogs can learn to differentiate one thing from an X. That's where we have service dogs that are specifically even trained to understand differentiating one thing from the next and how to respond and act to that, which shows that, you know, this is something you can work with your dog and train your dog to do. I, I have, uh, well, of course my Sheltie barks at phone dingings and not so much the phone dinging more, more so exterior noises because he, he lives on a farm. So he understands, um, you know, if the geese are screaming, uh, there's probably a stranger on the property and then he responds back to that and kind of joins in in this whole gang situation of screaming at um, the fact that there's a, a stranger uh, <laughs> breaching the, the the grounds. But I have a I have a funny situation where I have um, a conure parrot who will scream when I'm cooking. So if I'm in the room with him and I'm cooking and there's smoke and I'm not saying that I burn my food, you know, I'm actually a pretty good cook, but you know, I mean, there's going to be smoke that comes off of some things like you're searing a steak or something. He will just go bananas screaming. And, and it makes me, you know, I think it's funny. I don't try to stop him from doing that because it doesn't irritate me. I've learned to live with it. And I look at it this way, man, if that room was on fire, I would know it because that bird would be screaming. And I, I think what he's responding to is the smoke. You know, hey, it's a. Uh, there's a reason that we use canaries in coal mines. They they're mm -hmm. going to alert you that there's a gas or something wrong going on. So, 
I look at that and think, well, it's actually kind of cool that he will start screaming if there's smoke in the room, <laughs> you know, good on him. So sometimes, yeah. yeah, sometimes these aren't things that we necessarily want to stop from happening. And and you have to look at it that way. Why why is he screaming? Is he screaming because he doesn't like the fact that I'm cooking a steak because he finds it offensive? No, I, I think he's screaming because there's smoke and I'm okay with that. <laughs> This would be a good time to remind our listeners that we can't accept calls from you about animal behavior. You can ask certified animal behaviorist, UW graduate Carpathia, Hers, uh, Carpathia Kingsley. And her, the number is 425-373-5527 or toll free 888-298-5569. And if you can't remember the numbers, just go to our website at animalcallsradio.com. And the numbers are there, and you can listen live there as well. Another thing that people can do if um, if they can't break away from work and make a telephone call is type out a question that you have and send it to us on the website. Or if you're connected to either of us on Facebook, you can jot down a question and we can address it on the show. And then you can go back and listen to the show later to hear what was said in regards to that. We would love to have typed in questions too. I'm totally good with that. Hey, you know, one of the things I've been wanting to ask you about, which has been on my mind, because I've seen it so much, there's been an explosion of these online pet catering services, things like, you know, you can order a gift basket for your dog or your cat uh, that, or all of your animals that comes once a month. One of them, in, uh, for example, is an outfit called Chewy. And they, I guess you can go in there and you can uh, order a cart uh, of different kinds of things, sort of carte blanche, you know. And um, what do you think about those? Are those useful for pet owners? And, and do the pets really, do they, do they have the ability to know that goodies are coming for them? I think I've seen commercials in regards to that where there's a dog standing waiting for the UPS man or whoever's bringing this FedEx. Um, and, and they seem to absolutely know when they see that chewy box, what exactly is in it. Well, yeah, I don't know that they really do, but yeah, maybe they do. If they've been conditioned to because they see happy, fun things coming out of boxes. And we all know that cats just like the box, right? So even if you're using the these things, the yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, now if you have cats and dogs, the, the dogs are going to be so happy and grateful for all the goodies coming out of the box, and the cat's going to just be happy to have that box. So win-win, yeah. <laughs> and then we don't have to go out and go to the store spending all this time looking for things. Uh, we can stay home and spend more time with our pets. So why is it that cats like boxes? I mean, I, I saw this great internet meme where there's this picture <laughs> Uh, outside of uh, these three cardboard boxes on the ground. And there's three cats in three separate boxes separated by 10 feet. They were practicing social distancing before it was cool, right? And so these cats are sitting in this box out in the middle of nowhere. But why do they do that? What is the attraction of cats and boxes? <laughs> I think that's an age-old question now, isn't it? And I, and I believe cats invented social distancing. I'm going to go that far as to say that um, cats are very independent animals. They, they don't pack. They don't uh, live their lives in that manner. The way that dogs do dogs form packs. Cats uh, are just absolutely, they love being individuals. They like to hunt alone. They like to do what they do alone. 
And I think the box really kind of is like, hey, this is my space and it's comforting. It's comforting to them. They have their own little space and nobody can step into that little space. It's part of their who they are. It's part of their behavior. Again, this is an ancient animal that has not genetically been altered very much. So they're they're dialed back and tuned into prehistoric kind of things, you know? <laughs> they're they're thinking on that level in a way that we couldn't even begin to understand, right? And there's also right. uh, the possibility that they're from outer space, I believe. Wasn't there some movies in regards to that? I think cats actually originated from some other planet. There's a couple of movies <laughs> like that. Where, and then, and of course, the Egyptians believed that they were superior keepers of the underworld and all that sort of thing. So cats have a mystique that goes back ages. Come on, Seattle. We know you're listening. Call us and ask a question. <laughs> 425-373-5527. Talk to certified animal behaviorist Carpathia Kingsley. Call in. I don't bite. Um, well, I mean, some people might disagree with that. I don't know. I, I try not to bite. And, um, you know, maybe I'm a vampire. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm worse than a cat. There's another question, too. I get asked a lot why cat bites seem to be more um, infectious than a dog bite. And a lot of times um, you hear back things. Again, I'm not a veterinarian, but cat bite wounds, the punctures can be deeper and they, they tend to possibly not have mouths quite as clean as a dog. There's a lot of interesting things that distinguish cats from dogs. Um, one of them being, uh, there's an element called taurine that sometimes you see in energy drinks that gives you a little bit of a pep. Human beings, dogs, and most creatures that are carnivorous or um, omnivorous create their own taurine. And this is something that we, we create in our own system, so we don't need it added to our food. Whereas a cat does not create its own taurine. This is why a cat will sometimes kill a mouse and only eat one little piece of it and leave the rest of the mouse sitting there like a gift for you, which is debatable that it's actually a gift for you. And it's more likely that the cat is just not cleaning up after itself. Um, but if you want to think of it as a gift, uh, you know, we anthropomorphize our pets in any number of ways, and that is one of them. And, and hey, if it makes you happy, that's cool. But cats do not create their own taurine in their system, which is why they often will do something like just kill, seemingly kill an animal for no real reason because they're not necessarily hungry, but they do need to, to consume that. They do need to, to have that. And that's why they tell you, that you shouldn't uh, intermix dog and cat food in, in the respect of you shouldn't feed one to one and one to the other. And that would, one of the major things being that taurine, that you don't need to put that into dog food, but they do add that into most cat foods. So there's a, an answer to that, to that question. A lot of people ask me, why can't I feed my dog cat food and vice versa? So the bigger issue would actually be feeding dog food to a cat instead of giving them cat food because it is deficient in certain things that a cat needs that, that is not on a, a dog's dietary need list. And again, I'm not a dietitian, but these are things that we just know. So, so here's a question, particularly for our Seattle listeners. I know a lot of Seattle um, people live in apartments. So... Mm -hmm. What would be the best cat, dog, or other companion for apartment dwellers? 
Um, you know, I, I would say if you're an apartment dweller, uh, a cat could be your best choice if you're looking for a mammal that can have free run, free range of your house that you want to have that kind of interaction with. But certainly don't don't turn your nose up at the idea of something like birds. Um, and birds, by the way, in this environment, in this climate, there's particular things that I can go into detail with if somebody has bird questions. A lot of birds do feather plucking and, and have behavior issues. And a lot of it is due to the darkness and the nature of where we live here in the Pacific Northwest. And that is something if somebody had bird questions that I would love to get into and address. But, you know, birds are a really great thought of a pet. And, you know, you can even interact with a parrot if you have one and you don't need to be home all the time to have a happy parrot. Uh, some parrots are more talkative than others. So if you don't want a bird that's screaming in your absence and driving your neighbors up the wall, you might want to consider finches or different kinds of birds that can be more quiet. Some are more mouthy than others. I think everybody has a story of living near somebody with a macaw that's screaming at the top of its lungs uh, all day while people are gone. But, you know, don't rule out birds. And again, we can get into different breeds of birds that can be more peaceful. Um, and like I say, bunny rabbits, hamsters, rats, gerbils, there's, there's so many fun pets that you can keep at home and be somebody who lives in an apartment and not have to worry about them too much. Even a nice fish tank can be beautiful and appealing and calming in times like this. You know, keeping saltwater fish, keeping freshwater fish. I've done both. I've managed ponds um, with waterfalls and, and the whole shebang. And it's uh, it can be a really rewarding experience to to have that underwater world going on in your house. So that can be fun. Have you ever kept fish, Anthony? I'm sorry. Say again. Have you ever kept fish fish tanks? I have. I used to have a saltwater aquarium and a freshwater aquarium, and I spent hours trying to do things like balance pH. Uh, and all that sort of thing. And yeah, they are, um, they're fun. They're picturesque, uh, calming, all those things. Uh, just as you uh, were uh, jumping in to ask me that question, I got an email question from Vincent in Seattle. And he's asking about his parrot, an African gray. And he says, I'm wondering, since I was working uh, at home for so long, and now I'm, I'm back at the office, if my African gray can experience separation anxiety because my neighbors do say he shouts a lot or screams a lot. Uh -huh. Yeah, I would imagine there's a lot of situations like that that are going on um, with people now returning to work, um, leaving our pets alone that had gotten used to having us there all the time. African greys, man, they're great talkers. Those are one of the best parrots that you can have for, for teaching to, to speak. They're, they're fantastic and they're so intelligent and they're so engaging and they are that kind of bird that you, you, you want with you all the time and they get used to having you with them all the time. I'm, I'm going to be real simple on this one and say, you know what, if, if the neighbors are saying that the bird's screaming, the bird probably is screaming. If there's a way that you can have engagement with the bird here and there, say if you have uh, cameras, you know, sometimes you can set up things where you can 
chit chat back and forth on your breaks with your pet and keep your your eyes on your pet and let them know that you're still there and they're hearing your voice um, via all the really wonderful devices that we have these days. If you don't have that, sometimes it can be calming to an animal to surround them with sounds that are familiar uh, say the radio or the television. If you don't mind running your your TV in the room with the with the birds while you're gone, often that can really engage them. I had a couple of cockatiels. I've I've had lots of birds, uh, and I right now I mean I, I have more birds than mammals um, on my farm if you count all the chickens and the geese and my finches and my conure parrot. But I had these two cockatiels one time that were very very mouthy. They would scream all day long until you turned on the cartoon network and sat their cage near the television set. If I had to leave and it sounds simple and it sounds silly, but they would sit there and be absolutely engaged in watching cartoons while I was not home. And that made them really, really quiet down. Sometimes it can really be that simple. Probably want a sitcom. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Personally, hey, I, remember- I, I, I want found to remind cartoons. everyone, there's still time for calls. We've got about five minutes left. Call 425-373-5527 to ask your animal question and uh, speak with Carpathia Kingsley, Certified Animal Behaviorist. Back to you. Or email us. Send us something online and uh, shoot us the, the questions that you have, and we'll try to get to those, too. Right. But yeah, AnimalCallsRadio.com. Like, Visit the website. Absolutely. But like I say, back to that one, I, I found cartoons to be to be the best in regards to birds and engaging birds. And maybe it's because they're not seeing actual human beings and other animals that they're wanting to scream out and communicate with. Uh, the colors of everything that's going on on the television and the sounds and the engagement of that really seem to thrill them and quiet them down um, versus them watching people and animals doing something on the television. I mean, I think we all have that dog that tries to grab things as they're coming out the other side of the TV, right? I have a, one of my dogs will do that. One of my dogs would be totally convinced if, if he saw another dog on the television set that he could jump into the TV and get it. And as it started exiting the TV to the side, he, he was convinced he could catch it coming out of the other side of the television. Whereas my herding dog, does not watch television and think of it that way. I think he's hip to the fact that that's not real. And he gets annoyed that the other dog does that and tries to stop him. So, and I I would notice how preemptive he would be about it too. He would see, the herding dog would see a dog on the television. And before the American Eskimo could even perk up and respond to that, he would stand up get in between the Esky and the television set and try to block him from having that reaction because he just felt that that reaction was inappropriate, I guess, and wanted to manage him when he would start behaving that way. And when he would get hysterical, the Esky, and start jumping at the television set, you've got the herding dog pulling him back and trying to make him stop. So sometimes that becomes better than the show that you're watching on the television, doesn't it? I, I got the show behind the show. And uh, I just enjoyed letting him do it and watching him do it and, and seeing how, but, but again, as a behaviorist, <laughs> you know, to, to me, this is the, this I'm, I'm in science mode and observing what they're doing and, and then also enjoying it and finding it uh, hilarious. So sometimes we can just enjoy our animals for that too, can't we? 
just to watch what they do. To me personally, I think it's more strange the things that humans do. I think animals make a whole lot more sense, but that's me. And I, and I did spend a lot of my time studying psychology and trying to understand people um, to the extent of even being certified with the California Mind Institute back at a time when um, their head psychiatrist was really fixated on hypnosis and hypnotherapy, which I found entirely fascinating and became a board certified hypnotherapist at that time because I love regression therapy and really, really, really getting into people's heads. But in all my experience in doing things like that, I, I, I still come back as a scientist to man, animals really make a lot more sense to me than people do. They don't have the agendas that people do and all that. And, you know, bringing me back to. Well, sometimes if they have you know, agendas. I, I can tell you that my dog <laughs> has an agenda every day about five o'clock and it's usually dinner. <laughs> Well, you know, that's showing how strong the circadian clock is in them, isn't it? <laughs> my my guys are bouncing off the walls at 1030 because they in, in the morning because they know that's when I I feed them. And man, they're just always on time with that. It, it lets me know it must be 1030 because these guys are bouncing off the walls expecting to get fed. But, you know, yeah, they, they, they do have an agenda in that respect. They, they certainly do. But I think it's more uh, benign and not nefarious the way that people's can be. Right. But, you know, every time we go through the, the change in the fall and the spring of the you know, daylight savings time, we have all these memes that show up on Facebook of dogs that are frustrated because, you know, this, it, what is with this one hour later dinner thing? This is just BS. You know, they can't handle it. <laughs> well, whereas I think all the herding dogs totally get it because uh, the daylight saving time was created for farming. And so I think our herding dogs are ahead of the game on this one. Like, yeah, we got this. We, we, we get it. They, I think they invented daylight saving time. <laughs> I think it's all the other dogs that are getting mad at the herding breeds. Like, why, why do we have to behave this way? Uh, they don't get it. They just don't get it. But that's, you know, the difference between breeds is tremendous. The way they think, the way they do. So it makes a lot of sense. If you know your dog, if you know the breed of your dog, it's, it can be so much easier to, to get to the bottom of it when you know the breed. And so are we cutting out now? Are we done for today? Yeah, like a little time. Oh, do we? Because oh, I could sign be out. Time. 20 <laughs> seconds here. 20 seconds. All oh, right. Okay. So uh, be sure to visit our website, animalcauseradio.com. Send us a message. Send us a question. Send us a tip, whatever you need. And uh, let us know. We'll be back here next Friday. Yeah, I was going to say you can enjoy us every Friday here at the noon hour on KKNW 1150 AM radio. And if you have questions or show ideas, visit animalcallsradio.com. Drop us a note. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And remember, horse sense is what keeps horses from betting on people. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>